You're listening to devpath.fm, the podcast about career development for software engineers. Join the conversation at www.devpath.fm or on Twitter at devpathfm. Hey everybody, this is Jacob Harrington. I'm here with Vaidehi Joshi, who's an engineer and a teacher. Vaidehi, do you want to say hello and talk a little bit about your day job? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, Yeah, I'm Vaidehi. Um, I am a staff software engineer at uh, Tilda in Portland, Oregon, where I predominantly work on Skylight, which is your favorite favorite Rails profiler. Um, It's my favorite, at least. (laughs) And... Um, yeah, my day job is, it it consists primarily of working on Skylight, which is really fun. It's, it's a very, um, it's a very small team, but a really interesting product um, that, you know, values giving people answers over just data and giving them answers that they need to make their apps faster. Um, and ideally, if people are really using our site well, then they don't spend that much time. So um, we're trying to, you know, streamline the process to make other engineers really good at their job. So a lot of my job is um, figuring out how to make that process smoother for our customers, but also like, you know, talking to our customers, answering support tickets, um, working on the back end side of things, the front end side of things. And then also occasionally, which is my favorite part, I get to work on a little bit of open source um, when when there are opportunities to do so. So that might be like working on document, a little bit of documentation, or um, I, I get to like sometimes give talks that are related to the things I do at work, which is also really fun, which I kind of consider, you know, open sourcing knowledge in a way. Um, but yeah, that's that's my day job, which sometimes spills out into my personal time too. Vaidhi, <laughs> uh, do you want to tell me the story of how you got into software development as a career? What pushed you towards that? And what was that experience like? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting story because it's, when you think about it, it's a little bit organic, but also it's like odd that it took, took me a long time to kind of discover it. Um, I, my background is not in software or computer science. I did not get a computer science degree. I'm, I got into coding professionally um, later on in my career after switching careers. I actually used to be a, um, a writer and a teacher. Um, I taught sixth grade for a while and I was working as like a freelance writer. And the way that I kind of fell into programming was when I was working as a writer, um, if anyone listening has ever pitched an article, then they know that when you pitch an article, editors will ask you for your portfolio and a body of your work. And this is like, I don't know, at the, the point where I, you know, was noticing that everybody had websites and editors were like, oh, please send me your website with your articles. And I was like, oh, I can build a website. How hard can it be? <laughs> I'll do this. Um, and it it didn't need to be pretty. I was like, I just need to have a link to send them. And of course, I, I made something to send them and it was not beautiful. And then I looked at everybody else's websites and I was like, oh, look at all these colors. Oh, look at the spinny wheel. Oh, look at how they got this thing to load. Let me just keep tinkering at it. Let me just try to add this other thing. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is kind of history. Like I, I, would, I just kept learning more things and um, 
started teaching myself a little bit more JavaScript. And then my dad is actually, he's been in software for 30 plus years and he saw me doing this and he was like, you know, you could learn a backend language. Why don't you learn Rails? They have Rails workshops if you really like doing this stuff. And I was like, oh, I do. Maybe I will just try it out. And that's kind of when I realized, oh, this is a career and this is like, there are lots of opportunities to build things beyond just a website or a blog. Like there are apps and, you know, um, platforms that you interact with every day that are, they're built by someone and these are the people who build it. And that's kind of when I decided to pursue it professionally. And I went to a coding boot camp, um, got a job out of that. And, you know, here we are <laughs> like four or five, five years later. <laughs> what was your experience coming out of a coding boot camp, And do you think it's impacted the way you work today? Or do you feel like it doesn't really affect you anymore? Um, well, my experience coming out of it was, it was pretty positive. Um, but I, I think part of the reason that it was really positive was that I didn't go into the boot camp thinking I have to get a job. I went into it thinking, oh, I want to learn how to do this. I want to learn the skills. So I've got 12 weeks and I want to just learn as much as I can. And that ended up being, you know, such a benefit because I think a lot of people do go into boot camps, you know, wanting to just be like, employable by the end, which I understand. Um, but I think if you if you approach a boot camp as like, oh, this is my opportunity to really focus on learning as much as I can with all these people and all these teachers, like you can get a little bit more out of it, in my opinion. So that was that was my experience. And it set me up um in a really great way because the first job that I got out of my boot camp um, was with a company where everybody was super senior and I was the first junior engineer they hired. And so I basically was asking a lot of questions and like learning very, very quickly. Um, and I don't really think that it was a negative thing until I kind of hit the wall of like computer science. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm self-taught and I kind of have the same experience where I wouldn't say it hampers my ability as an engineer, but there mm -hmm. are things that I have to approach differently. How do you overcome that in, in your job right now? Um, well, I, I totally agree with you. Like being able to, being able to notice the gaps in your knowledge and having the confidence that you will go back and fill them in later <laughs> when the time is right. Um, sometimes the time is now, but, um, having that confidence is so important because, like even if you do have a CS degree, like you're not going to know everything. You, that that degree is only going to cover so much. And if you don't, then you know you 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 come to the table with other qualifications and experiences, and you have to fill in different gaps. Um, and so that's kind of the attitude that I've taken towards learning in general. Um, and so I guess kind of picking up from when I was working as an engineer and realized that I didn't know a lot of computer sciencey stuff. I just realized, oh, this is this is a big gap in my knowledge. I want to fill it. Um, so I'm just going to work towards learning a little bit, you know, every week to try to get better. Um, and for me, that was like writing blog posts um, and holding myself accountable to like learning a certain topic and building on my knowledge. And that's the same thing I do now. Like even in my day job, I set a small goal for myself um, and I work actively towards it. And sometimes it's a big goal. And in those situations, I sort of break it down into an achievable task because I think a lot of the times when you look at a lofty goal, like um, I want to understand distributed systems or I want to learn the ops part of our infrastructure, it, 
you have this goal and then you wonder, how do I start? <laughs> like, this is a great idea, but how do I go about, you know, implementing it and achieving it? And I think um, breaking it down into small digestible bits makes it makes it easy to take baby steps towards achieving it. And eventually, if you just keep working at it, you will get there. Um, and that's that's the approach I've taken to my learning in general. Sometimes that means learning at work, and sometimes that means learning outside of work with the computer science stuff, for example. Um, right now, I'm learning about distributed systems, and I'm taking the same approach. I'm just trying to bite off a little bit and understand it and build on it. Um, and And that's been working pretty well for me. So I might just carry that with me through my career until I need to do something else. So kind of going back to that first job where you said everyone was really senior and you felt like you were asking a lot of questions. How did you go from that to being someone who mentors others? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think for me, a lot of it was understanding what understanding what I didn't know and what I was good at. Um, and it, it's very hard to mentor someone in a topic uh, that you don't understand. Um, but if you keep working at it and you realize that you actually have a certain, you have a certain foundational level of knowledge, then you come to the point where you can actually share that with others and learn along the way. Um, I don't actually think I'm doing a great job of answering your question because I don't actually know if there's a an obvious point where that happened for me. I think it just gradually I started explaining the things I was learning to people more and more in a way to like reinforce that knowledge. And over time, me explaining it to people turned into me teaching people. Um, and that kind of helped me level up a lot in terms of being the person who asked all the questions and turning that into the person who is helping explain ideas and concepts to others. Did you ever struggle with sharing the things you were learning, feeling like um, you didn't have the credentials or the authority to be like putting technical content out? Or is that something that you brought over as a related skill from your writing career? Um, I think... I think sometimes I I do feel a little bit of, you know, imposter syndrome when I'm learning something new and trying to teach it because there is always this there's always this chance that you may have only learned a portion of something so you may not be able to explain it from a broader uh perspective if that makes sense like if you understand how an aspect of something works but maybe not everything else that's tangentially related to it Sometimes that makes me feel like, oh, maybe I'm not the best person to explain this. Um, but whenever I do have that feeling, I kind of think about the fact that there's someone else, you know, out there who maybe isn't even ready to learn the whole thing. Maybe they don't they don't need somebody to download a whole concept into their mind. They just need to be introduced to it. And that helps me sort of get over this, you know, imposter syndrome of like, oh, I'm not qualified to explain anything because we all are qualified in different ways. Like even junior engineers are qualified to explain the things that they learn and teach those to other people. Um, and I started mentoring people, you know, within the first year of entering the industry, I, I taught an introduction to programming class and, you know, it wasn't like super advanced. It was people who had never coded before, but like that is a form of sharing knowledge and teaching others and mentoring them and introducing them to the industry and what that looks like. So I think 
everybody probably feels like, oh, I'm not actually qualified to help somebody in this way or like to teach them or to uh, guide them because I kind of feel like I also don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I, I think that's completely okay. And it's, it's, you know, maybe reframing your perspective and thinking about the fact that you're not trying to explain everything. You're just trying to give them a little bite of it. And, and if they're interested, then they'll, you know, take that bite and go on their own way in their own learning journey. Teaching that intro to programming class in your first year sounds pretty cool. How did you end up in that situation? Was it something that you sought out or did you kind of just happen into doing that? Um, well, I wanted to get involved in the tech community um, when I first kind of had my first programming job because I was like, oh, I want to I want to meet people. I want to um, I want to start learning how to speak at conferences. I want to know people in the community who are doing open source because I'd heard all these things, but I had no idea how to get started really. So I was like, okay, well, why don't I just get involved in the community and maybe I'll meet somebody who will be able to help me or I can learn from them. Um, and through the process of getting involved in the community, this was um, a few years ago back when I was living in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and at the time there was like some sort of um, – a workshop for like a rails workshop for women. And there was a woman who was there and she was like, Oh, I run girl develop it. I run the chapter here. We're always looking for teachers. Would you be interested in teaching something? And I was like, Oh, I'm super new. I, this is my first dev job. I've been coding for like not even a year. <laughs> and she was like, that's fine. We have people who are interested in learning how to code. You're qualified to do that. And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I've been coding long enough to know the basics. Um, so that's kind of how I got started. I, I just had this opportunity presented to me and I was like, well, they probably can't be too mad at me or think that I'm too stupid because they're completely new to it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a good first step into it because it was really awesome to see, you know, women get interested in this topic that a lot of them felt they were not qualified to do, but, you know, they would run their first um, their first programs, write their first lines of code together, um, a pair program. And it was really cool to see them get excited about it. And that made me really excited, which made me want to keep on teaching. Is that a sentiment that you shared with those students where you felt like a, as, as a woman coming into the software industry, did you ever feel kind of like an outsider? Um, I think, honestly, I feel like anybody who goes into the software industry feels like an outsider um, from the perspective of not knowing things. Um, I think sometimes it can be intimidating to walk into a conference or, um, you know, a, like a room where everybody looks a certain way and you do not look like them, whether that means, you know, you're a person of color or someone from an underrepresented group. Um, and I think that that can be intimidating because it's, it's hard to see yourself in that position if you don't see anyone else like you who's sitting there. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the things that also gets me excited about teaching and, um, introducing technical topics or, you know, things, things that are just bringing more people into the industry in general, like things that I can do to get people excited. Sometimes that's just as simple as giving a talk because somebody in the audience could feel like, oh, I have thought about doing that. Maybe I wasn't sure, but. I see someone who looks like me doing it. So I see myself reflected in them and that gets them sort of excited about the prospect of doing it. And even if they're not excited, at least maybe they're a little bit less nervous about it because they, they can kind of see someone who looks like them represented on the stage. Um, so that's, that's kind of like um, what keeps me involved and keeps me going because it, I, I think it 
I think it's important to see more representation in general because it does matter. And, um, you know, I, I've shared that sentiment as someone who is just junior, but also I shared it in the context of like, you know, wondering if someone like me could ever do those things that I admired other people doing. Yeah, no, I feel uh, very strongly that increased diversity is a really, really good thing. And and unfortunately, it's something that we struggle with as an industry, but I feel like there's a lot of really positive forward momentum in that area. So because I'm completely unqualified to give advice to people who are dealing with that, I'm curious for people who feel like an outsider or feel like they're from an underrepresented group that want to be uh, leaders or people who are up on stage at those conferences in this industry. Do you have any general advice around that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess, I guess probably my biggest piece of advice would be to try to ignore the voice that, you know, t- tells you to second guess yourself. Um, because more often than not, you are more than qualified to apply for a job or to apply to speak at a conference or to give the give the lunch and learn talk at your your team's you know lunch and learn um you're usually way more qualified than you think you are um and i think that the reason that i would pick that as my advice is because folks who come from underrepresented groups generally feel like um they have to work twice as hard. And I I think that is the truth, honestly. Like when you feel like you don't belong to a certain community or to a certain group or industry, you do have to work twice as hard to be half as good um, in the eyes of everyone else who looks the same, you know? Um, So it's it's interesting to see that um, because every time I meet, you know, a young engineer um, who is excited about something, but is like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do it. I always just want to tell them, oh, you can do it and you should do it. And um, the more you do it, hopefully the less the less you'll listen to that voice that, you know, is telling you that maybe you're not qualified or that you 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 don't know enough or that no one wants to hear what you have to say. Um, because I've I've definitely learned that in my career. And I, you know, I still hear that voice sometimes too. Um, but I've just gotten better at ignoring it, I think. So somebody who is pretty active in the developer community. How has that activity and that kind of experience being in front of other people, other developers, how has that affected your career? Um, well, it's, it's been pretty cool to, to, um, meet people who, you know, have consumed my work or content in different ways, whether that's like, um, through the writing that I've put out there or the podcast that I co-host or the videos that I've created or talks that I've given, um, all of those things, when, when I meet someone who is like, oh, yeah, I saw that talk that you gave three years ago at this conference, um, it it's pretty cool because it it gives me like an, uh, an automatic um, segue into a conversation and making a connection with someone in the industry, which I think would have been harder to do if I didn't have that. It would have been a little bit more intimidating to, you know, strike up conversations or to go to a speaker that I really admire and be like, oh, can I talk to you about this thing? But if I'm at the same conference as them or, um, you know, if I have a shared interest with them, that becomes a little bit easier. Um, But from a larger perspective, I think it's definitely helped me feel more confident in my ability to, you know, take on projects at work or to, um, 
you know, when the time comes, apply for a new job at a new company. Um, it, it just basically has reinforced the fact that I am very qualified and I have things to say that are important and I can contribute to the industry. Um, and I think that's probably the best, the best um, outcome from all of the various things that I've done in the industry to be involved, like having faith in myself and self-confidence is the best outcome more than any, you know, monetary gain or anything from career career perspective, because that's probably the hardest thing to overcome, especially when you're transitioning from junior to mid to senior developer. So I kind of want to ask, uh, we touched on it, but I want to ask about your specific interactions with uh, imposter syndrome or just general anxiety about your abilities or your, your place in your career. Um, how do you deal with that on a, like a personal level? And then uh, can you think of anything that uh, you've done in your career that's like helped you to fight against that? Yeah. Um, I think my answer to those, to those two questions are actually the same, which is that I write uh, everything down. <laughs> I, I think through concepts and understand them by writing. So one of the things that I do is when I learn something new or when I work on a feature that I'm really excited about, or when I, you know, hear, you know, like positive feedback or do something that I feel like, oh, that was like such a great achievement for myself. I write it down somewhere. Um, and this is especially, I think, impactful for technical topics because for me, the biggest kind of imposter syndrome that I feel is like when I hit a wall and I feel like I'm trying to debug something or I come up against something that I'm like, oh, I have no idea how to fix this problem or how to go about solving this or, you know, architecting this thing. Um, having Having a form of empirical evidence of all the things I do know, that helps me have confidence that like... I have overcome hurdles before. I have debugged things before. I have, um, I have built things from scratch before, and that that makes me feel like okay, I know I can do this. I just need some positive, um, positive reinforcement from my past self to remember that I can do this. Um, and so, like having a log or empirical evidence, like whether that means like a a journal or a blog or just like a folder on your computer where you have all the nice things that have happened. That really, I think, has helped me combat imposter syndrome because it doesn't go away, but I think it's a good shield against it. Um, and I think that's especially true when you, when you do something that you're really proud of because I think human beings in general, like we tend to forget the really good stuff easily. Um, and when something bad happens, all we can do is focus on that. And so I think it's important to like have a way to remind yourself like, oh, no, I am capable I've, I've gotten over these hurdles before. I will get over this one too. So over time, like writing down your accomplishments, uh, have you noticed that you've developed any specific expertise or do you consider yourself to be a generalist and the things that you feel like you're, you're knowledgeable about? Um, I like to consider myself a generalist just because I want to know a little bit about how to do everything. Um, there are some things that I probably feel more confident in. Like there are some backend aspects of working on Skylight that I'm like, oh, I really know how to do this well. Um, or like I, I have worked on billing related code 
so much. Every job I've done something with like the billing system. So I feel like, you know, I, if you ask me to rewrite a billing system or start one, or like create one from scratch for your new startup, like I'll be like ready to do it because I have done it like six times. <laughs> um, so I think little things like that um, are are like forms of expertise. But of course, like expertise does not mean that you suddenly can just do it you know, automatically because every single scenario is going to give you a different set of requirements, a different set of constraints. So even though I feel pretty well-versed in billing, one day you could throw something else at me and I'd be like, oh, I thought I knew how to do this, but this is different. Now I have to kind of rethink how to approach this problem, um, which is why I really like being a generalist because you get to go a little bit deeper into all these things that you know a little bit about. Um, and that's why I really enjoy full stack engineering, I think, too. So I want to ask you a question that I ask everybody, and it's uh, it's not like an attempt to make anyone feel uh, embarrassed or feel like I'm targeting somebody. But uh, what I what I try to do is show that people who are at the top of this industry are, are humans and they have the same struggles that people who are trying to break into this industry or level up in this industry have. Um, so do you mind sharing some things that you consider yourself to be bad at? Oh yeah, <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> um, I don't feel very confident when it comes to things like uh, Docker or I know nothing about Kubernetes really. <laughs> I, I, want to know more. And I, I kind of am learning a little bit about, about Docker, but like all these like um, distributed systems, like things running in containers, VM things, I don't really know that much about them and I'm not good at them. I'm also very bad at like basic like Linux things. Like people will use Linux jargon and terminology and I will have no idea what they're talking about. And I'm like, oh, something, something in your terminal. I don't know what that, but <laughs> what that means. But let's see how long I can keep going without it actually being a problem. Um, yeah, th those are those are things I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I'm surprised I haven't run into them yet and it hasn't been a problem yet, but I'm definitely bad at them. And I know that they're ba I'm bad at them. They're, also, I'm, I'm pretty bad at some parts of CSS too. Like I'm always having to Google how to center certain things or like, you know, just... There's just so many things CSS-wise where I'm like, wow, 20 minutes into it, I remember, oh, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> but I think I'm getting better. <laughs> Do you have any specific strategies for dealing with stuff like that that's, you know, knowledge gaps or just things that you feel like you can improve on? Yeah, my strategy is to find somebody who does know about it. That's usually what I do. <laughs> um, like for for CSS, like I will, you know, hit my head against a wall for a while. And then at some point I'll be like, this is not fruitful. And then I'll find, you know, an, another engineer who's really good at CSS and be like, listen, these are the things I've tried. I know I'm not doing it right. What would you do if you were me? Or maybe you can help me work through this. Um, or in the case with like Linux stuff, like I don't know anything. And I'm just, I've maybe it's just that I've been doing this long enough and I've been asking questions long enough that I have very little shame in just being like, I don't know what that word means. Can you explain it? Or, or sometimes what I'll do is when somebody will say something and I don't know if I understand it, I'll repeat it back to them in my own words to try to explain what I know. So they'll say like, you know, X and Y are doing this. And I'm like, so are we using Y to do X? Is that correct? 
Um, and if if they say no, then then they also know that I didn't understand. So I try to reinforce what I learn when I am lucky enough to have somebody to go and talk to. Um, but I, I really just like finding people who can help answer those questions, even if they can just point me in the right direction, because it's it's usually just a more fruitful and pleasant experience than just being alone and working in a silo and being frustrated with yourself and your own lack of knowledge. That's really good advice. Um, one thing I think a lot of engineers struggle with is one, being afraid to admit their ignorance, which is a huge hurdle. And if you overcome that, you're going to have a much better uh, experience. But mm-hmm. also, I think once people have become comfortable admitting their ignorance, um, there's a lot of fear about how to, how to ask questions or whether or not you're asking too many questions or that kind of thing. So how have you dealt with that? And what's your advice for asking questions to more senior engineers? Mm, um yeah, I learned this back when I was a junior engineer and it's it's been I've I've carried it with me through the years. Um I think the the best thing you can do is um try to explain your thought process to help to help sort of un- help other people empathize with you basically. <laughs> um and what I mean by that is like if you're a junior engineer and you are like Here's an error message I got. I think this means that I'm supposed to go to this page and look in this documentation and check this thing. Th- these are the things I've tried. If you if you set yourself up in that way, now the senior engineer or the mid mid level engineer, whoever it is, the person that you're working with, even if it's another junior engineer, now they at least have context for where you're coming from, um, and your question is not so much how do I fix this, but rather here's what I've tried. Here's where I'm coming from. Um, I've crossed out all these paths because they don't work. Do you have other ideas for things I haven't thought about? Um, and that, that I think generally helps people give more targeted answers. And sometimes they can see, oh, you are, you didn't read this error message correctly, or, oh, you just don't know about syntax highlighting and the fact that you just actually have a typo here, which is why your page isn't compiling, things like that. Um, but if you set yourself up and explain it, it won't be so much, okay, well, explain the whole context of the question, but rather, oh, you're giving me the context. Now I can just point you in the right direction. And it's usually fewer questions and it, it it's not as much of an interruption, I think. So inversely, now that uh, you've got some experience in this career field, how do you handle answering questions when people come to you? Mm, I usually... Um, start by asking them questions. <laughs> um, they'll they'll say something and I'll be like, okay, well, have you restarted the server? Have you checked this? Have you done that? Um, and that's only if I don't obviously know the answer, like if it's not like a syntax highlighting thing. Um, but I, I think just having a conversation and sort of like rubber ducking two ways is a really good way to approach answering questions, I think. Um, I just sort of put myself in their shoes and think about what could possibly what what I might have done before if I were them to cause that what and what I might start looking for um to go go about digging myself out of that hole um but yeah I I I think usually it's me asking the the person who asked me a question the question back um to confirm or deny whether they've done something or not um or whether they've thought about a possibility or not. It sounds like um, 
really leaning on kind of the characteristic of empathy, which it sounds like a lot of the things that you have mentioned, um, you, you seem to be a person with a lot of empathy. Um, so I want to ask you in your career, uh, are there any characteristics about yourself that you think make you good at what you do? And can you think of um, any way that you've built those characteristics? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I guess probably some of the characteristics that have helped me be good at what I do is knowing when to walk away and when to get up and take some time from time away from a problem. Um, that's actually been really good because it's it's kind of lent itself to me having me having developed more grit, I think. Um, and that's another characteristic that I think is required really of all programmers um, because what we do is just like deal with things being broken most of the time and then trying to fix them and trying to get them to work. And you have to have a whole lot of grit to not be frustrated by that process. Um, and, you know, learning when to take a break, when when a problem is not going to be solved and when it needs just some space, that's been a really good way of me learning how to develop my own grit because I think early on, especially the first like six months to a year of programming, I would just get really frustrated um, because I I was learning the tools in my tool belt for solving problems, but I hadn't learned when to step away from a problem and to give it some space or when to ask for help. I was very gung-ho on like, oh, I have to solve it on my own. And that's not what grit is. Grit is, you know, having perseverance, but also like understanding all the things that lend itself to persevering, not just staring at a computer for 18 hours wondering why the problem won't solve itself because we're less effective after 18 hours. Um, but yeah, I, I think those those characteristics are things that I've developed and and really learning to learning to separate myself from my work has been a good way of me understanding when I need that in order to do my job well. And in order, especially when you're learning new things, you know, when you're learning a new thing at work or not at work or just programming related or maybe something completely unrelated to programming, you have to give it time and you have to give it space and you're not going to learn something in one day. You have to work at it a little bit, a little bit at a time, chip away at it. And eventually you'll find that you know more about it at the end than you did when you started. Yeah. I think it's also important to note that as engineers, we tend to associate our identity pretty closely with the thing that we produce um, with mm -hmm. code and, and with our careers. And that's really dangerous. Um, it's also hard to not do. So uh, do you have like a mental framework that helps you know when it's time to walk away from a problem or is it just something that, um, yeah. How, how do you determine the difference between a difficult problem and something you need to walk away from for a while? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think the thing I really like to do is when I start to feel myself, um, when I start to feel myself try a bunch of things and I'm sort of at my wit's end, it's it's really helpful for me to take some space away and not think about the problem at all. And a lot of the times this happens at like, um, I don't know, like four o'clock on a weekday and then somehow the next morning I come in and I reorient myself into the problem. And because I haven't been looking at it, 
I think of another way that I hadn't thought about at four o'clock the day before. And so there's, there's a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of like understanding the different types of problems you might have to solve. Some of them are like, oh, I've seen this before. It's familiar. I'm going to keep pushing at it because I, I know that I have seen some version of it before. But there's another category of problem where you haven't seen it before and your brain sort of hasn't wired itself to think in a different way. Um, and that's especially true when you're really leveling up and you're building your technical chops because when you're learning new things, you're usually learning them in a context that you're not familiar with. So if you've seen – like if, if you built a feature before and, you know, you've seen the same – the same parts of the code base, or you've seen these this type of problem or this error message before, it might take you a little bit of time, but chances are it's probably a, a problem that you can solve. But if you're working on something completely new um, or you're stumped because you've never encountered this thing before, you have to probably come up with a creative way of approaching it. And that's that's when your brain really needs space and time to be able to step away from it to not think about it as something you've seen before, but rather something new. And I think, at least for me personally, stepping away from it when it's um, unfamiliar has helped me distance it from things I've seen before, if that makes sense. Stepping away from a problem, what does that look like for you? Is that doing something completely unrelated? Is it you know leaving for the day? Uh, or is it finding like a, a creative outlet that helps you to kind of reset your brain? I think all of those are, those all sound good <laughs> for me, um, for stepping away. A lot of the times um, I will step away from something and work on something else and come back to it after a day or two. Um, if it's at the end of the day, I really like to go home and like not look at a screen, maybe like cook dinner or, you know, like listen to a podcast, go on a walk, something that literally involves me not thinking about the problem or work or code at all, just com something completely different. And I've noticed like when I do that, especially when it's like a creative thing, like cooking, um, my part of my brain seems to be still thinking about the problem in its own way, but it's not at the forefront of my mind. And so I think it's like, it, it has time to sort of marinate <laughs> on it. And the next morning, because I haven't really thought about it, but it's been marinating, I have a fresher perspective on it. Or or maybe it's just that I don't hate the problem as much the next day because I've taken space from it. Another question I want to ask, um, is there any general advice that you find yourself giving to new developers or developers who haven't quite reached that level of seniority where they're mentoring others um, that you find yourself just repeating over and over again? Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know if I've repeated it as many times, but I've definitely thought it. Um, <laughs> I've wanted to say it many times, um, which is that it can be really debilitating if you think about all the things you um, want to do and want to get better at. Um, because when you're early on in your career, I think you that you feel this vast mountain of things that I don't know and things that I want to do and things that I have goals for myself that I don't know how to achieve. That's going to be there, but it's hard to know where to start. And I feel like a lot of people, um, especially early on in their career, they kind of are like a little bit debilitated by the fact that there's this big mountain of things and they don't know where to start. Um, and my advice that I 
if I don't say it and verbalize it, the thing I always want to tell people, at least when I see them in that position, is to just pick one thing. You have to start somewhere. So just pick one thing, start investigating that, start digging into it, start building it, start learning about it, um, start actively working at that thing. And the rest will sort of, you know, snowball from there. So if that means you really want to get into open source, like that's the thing you really want to do, pick that as the thing you start with. And through open source, you might have other opportunities. Um, or if that means you really want to get better at learning, if you're a designer and you're like, I want to get into development, but I want to do product, but I want to do this other thing. And I, I like marketing and all these other things. Just pick one thing and just actively work at it. Because I guess the hardest part is you have to take the first step, really. And that's the thing that I think I see a lot of um, people early in their career unsure of doing. They're, they're like, oh, I want to take a step, but I don't know which way to take it. Just take one. And then the second one will be easier. Then the next one after that will be easier. And you will get better. But the longer that you stand there wondering what I should do next, um, the longer you'll be standing and not walking. Awesome. Before we wrap up, Vaidhi, I want to give you an opportunity to share anything you're currently working on. So if somebody wants to learn more about you, where should they go? Sure. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Vaidhi Joshi. Um, that's probably the best place to keep up to date with things I'm doing. Um, but I'm also working on a couple of side projects. Um, I have um, a writing series called Base CS, um, which I worked on about two years ago. Um, and it's basically covering the basic concepts of computer science over the course of a whole year. And since then, I've turned that writing series into a podcast, which I'm still actively recording. Um, and we are on season five of that podcast currently. Um, and you can follow ba at Base CS Podcast on Twitter to find out more about that. Um, or you can go to basecs.org. And for my more recent project, um, I mentioned earlier that I'm learning about distributed systems. So this year I'm working on a writing project called Base DS, finding out the basics of distributed systems, hence the DS. And you can go to basedes.org to find out about that. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to devpath.fm. Want to ask a question? Send an email to jacob at devpath.fm.